Hi, Yoko. Hi, Kate. This is episode six. Hi, Yoko. Hi, Kate. This is episode six. Of? So where are you from? (sighs) How are you, Kate? I'm good. I feel like we've had an interesting week this week in the United States, and it's been a little bit hard, but... um, This episode probably isn't going to go out. It's not going to go out until much later after this happened, but we just came out of a really shitty, shitty week, basically, Mm -hmm. of two black men... Being killed by police. And And then then, five police officers being killed in Dallas. Yeah, it was just... I don't know. I I had trouble... I mean, I didn't go into work on Friday. I worked, but I didn't go into work on Friday because I felt like I just didn't have the capacity to be, like, a sociable person. Um, It just... It makes you wonder a lot about people. Like, for me, it it was, like, losing faith in humanity a little bit. And... Anyways, I feel much more restored. Um, I want to give a shout out to my friend Sally Rumble, who yeah. kind of brought me to this space and and made me feel a lot better. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about what, what you did today? Well, I mean, we went to like, I went to church. I'm not like a particularly religious person after having grown up in a in a church environment from middle school all the way through high school and through a little bit of college. I haven't been to church in like in a a couple years not because I don't believe in God or anything Mm -hmm. but just because I feel like if you're living a good life then going to church is kind of like supplementary to that Mm -hmm. but God you know today I just needed to hear something that restored my faith in humanity or just you know in times like these you're just like where is God like where where is anything like where are we and Mm -hmm. I I, I feel like I made the right decision, and I went to this, like, very diverse church um, in the East Village, um, and the pastor was black. The congregation is everything. She said, well, you could have made the easy choice and go to... She said that somewhere there's an all-black church, and they're condemning white people. White people are the devil. Can you believe that these white devils did, a, did this to us again? Somewhere out there, there's a white church where a pastor is preaching, and they're talking about, God, you know, those black people just shouldn't be carrying guns. Or, oh, God, here's, like, another case where someone doesn't respect the police. And then there's, like, a Korean church out there somewhere where they're just like, oh, this is an interesting problem that has nothing to do with us. Yeah. And she said, but you chose to be here. You chose to be at Middle, which is the name of the church. You chose to be here because you know that this problem is complex and yeah. it involves all of us. And we're sitting in this room where there's, like all these different types of people, all these different voices that are all here. And they made all the the new people, the people who hadn't been to this church. They were here for the first time stand up. And it was like a huge crowd of us because I think all of us just had a really shitty week. And we're just like trying to figure out, like trying to make sense of this and try to just like love your fellow man again, you know? Yeah. Because this is something that concerns all of us. And I want everyone to sort of like have a voice and participate in this dialogue because you can't just sit idly by the sidelines anymore i'm i'm in i am really appreciating that lately it's become more and more clear that like being silent is not is it's almost like being it's pretty much being complicit in the problem right um 
I actually have a good segue into model minorities if this is if this is okay. Yeah. My model minority is actually a group of people. Um, that's there's a Google Doc going around mm-hmm. um, of Asian Americans writing. Um, translating letters to their parents explaining the Black Lives Matter movement. Mm-hmm. And um, basically it's just like explaining explaining what's going on right now and how specifically the Black Lives Matter movement is why it's so important. I really appreciated it because I feel like, and this is such a pattern that I'm noticing now, it's like as Asian people, we're not really in the center of this conversation about like racial injustice that's happening in the United States, but that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be silent. And like, it's just, I, I'm, I've pretty much grew up used to being quiet all the time. And yep. now I'm now I'm really appreciative of these people who are like helping us understand different ways in which we can voice our opinions and like voice our solidarity with, with black people. So like, Super shout out to everyone who's been participating in this doc. I was looking at the doc and I was looking at the translation list and there weren't that many Japanese people on there, which is really um, sad for me. So I'm gonna try to like, I'm gonna see if I can try to do a translation. I'm not like super confident in my Japanese, but I know that that's probably an imposter syndrome situation. Your Japanese is great, Yoko. Thanks, Kate. Um, So yeah, super shout out to Christina Shu, everybody on the doc, thanks to Karen uh to for sending it to me yeah yeah shout out to karen yo so that's something that like really shook me about um the pastor's sermon that i was at today right yeah she said we are all in this together and like going back to like the different ethnic groups she just said and inside these groups you can't just think that oh because asian people are assimilated that this doesn't affect them yeah and she said but we at this place, we in this place, know that that's not true. Yeah. And I was like, yes, like, she gets it. Yeah. There are people out there that get it. And there yeah. are people out there that are working to make this world better. Yeah. My model minority is not even remotely related to that. And it's just... Like, give, me, give me something good, Kate. I could really use a good It's laugh. a little bit of levity. So, okay, thanks. Um, so Adweek, Adweek just featured this, uh, this video... And this guy is called, it's a Japanese ad, and it's called Firefly Man. Have you seen this? No. (laughs) It is a YouTube video worth watching. Okay. Just when you see funny commercials from other countries, you see this very downtrodden dad, and uh, he's eating dinner with his family. His family has like two or three kids, and he's got a wife, and then the lights go out. Uh And it's, the wife says, we have no money for electricity. (gasps) And the dad's like, you know, hangs his head in shame. He's like, I can't believe that my family is like living without electricity. And he goes out and then he comes back and he's a firefly. Wait, and he what? lights up the whole house. And it's like, <laughs> they're just like, dad, where are you? Dad, we need light. And then like, there's a scene where like his, the dad is like lighting up the bathroom while his daughter takes a bath. And she's like, no looking. And it's really adorable. But then, <laughs> but then one of the kids goes, Fireflies die after three days, and then the dad just like falls over and dies. <laughs> Wait, is this supposed to be funny? It's an ad for LED lights. Oh my god! <laughs> Yo, I gotta tell you, we Kate. I feel like I have grown up in like a weird intersection of like observing Japanese culture from the outside, 
But sometimes Japanese ads are just like so fucking weird, man. <laughs> so weird. The dad is like a firefly on the ceiling and he just drops onto the kitchen table and just Dad! Like, <laughs> So with, watch that. So shout out to that dad, Firefly dad. Shout out to Firefly dad for, <laughs> you know, doing what's up for his family and becoming a firefly. They like decorate the firefly butt to make it all glittery. Oh my God. Okay. I totally have to watch this ad now. Shit. Oh, it's so wonderful. And yeah, it brings a little bit of levity to the sort of heavy week that we've been having. Yeah. <laughs> God. Yeah. Um, anyways, on the podcast today, we have Sachi Ezra. Yeah. Um, yeah, Sachi and I met in seventh grade. We were in the same class and, um, we, she's my best friend and she's an incredibly smart, funny woman. Um, she works in comedy, she works in TV and, um, we're really excited to have her. Thanks, Sachi, for coming on. I love you. Thanks, Sachi. Um, yeah. So let's get into it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hey, okay, so today on our episode, we have Sachi Ezra as our guest. Hi! <laughs> hey! Thanks um, for being with us, Sachi. Yeah, thanks for coming Thank on. Thank you for having me. Yay! Um, so Sachi is a TV producer, but she's also been involved in all aspects of like improv and stand-up comedy, as well as TV production, both on the silver screen and... The Which computer the screen? screen. <laughs> I thought the silver screen meant TV. I think, I think the silver screen is film. Oh fuck! And the computer screen is what I was trying sure. to get to. Web series. <laughs> the web. The web situation. Web situation. Okay, um, cool. So our first but question. Wait. Also, besides the things that I've done professionally, I, I'm also your best friend. Right? Oh yes, <laughs> Sanjay is also my best friend. We met. In the seventh grade, Kate's laughing at me right now. Yoko had one beer. Again, <laughs> Yoko, just... Yoko didn't take a Pepsi, so she's really red. Oh, I'm very man. red, guys. The, the contrast I'm is a so real. Tomato. The struggle is real. <laughs> it's super real. Do you get the glow? Yeah, but I take Pepsi. Ah. Like a maniac. Like there's hundreds of loose Pepsi in my purse. Oh my god. <laughs> They're not even in like the little packet. Some I noticed that you just. Pe- well, no, I want to get the packet ones, but it's like if you get up to twenty five, it's in the packet, and then if you want to get like the deal. You get the jar. You get the jar, and if you get um, non-Pepsid brand, like if you get uh, Dwayne Reed brand Pepsid, um, then it, the jar is not really sealed. Oh, it's, They God. don't have a good child lock on it. Oh, Whoa. There's Pepsid everywhere. There's Pepsid everywhere because I am thrifty, and so I am purchasing the maximum amount of generic Pepsid and then throwing them loose in my purse. Oh, Like man. a good Asian. You hear that, all you underage Asian drinkers? <laughs> cap on the like regular drugstore brand Pepsi is loose. Yeah. So no one will know. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I mean sometimes I take Pepsis that are like a little linty. <laughs> <laughs> some some first some chocolate furry, on them. Furry Pepsi. Chocolate. Some like gum in the wrapper is a little still kind of attached to your yeah. Pepsi. Oh my god. That's awesome. Uh, well thank you for being here Sachi. It's so nice to have another funny lady on the yay, podcast. Yay! Thank you for having yeah. me. I'm, I'm blessed and honored. Aww. Um, so I have to ask you, Sachi. So where are you from? I'm from New York City. Born Upper and West raised. West Side. Yeah. Yoko and I were born and raised with each other. We yeah. weren't born with each other. No, we weren't. <laughs> so we lived very close to each other on yeah. Upper West Side. And we went to the same high school, which started in seventh grade. So we've known each other since we were both like 12. Yeah. Yeah. I'm half Japanese and a quarter Puerto Rican and a quarter white. Oh, wow. I didn't know that your mom was half Puerto Rican, half white. What? <laughs> yeah, I 
Like, she made a poor espresso. I'm like, sorry. I thought you were. But haven't you met my grandma? Oh, yeah. She, She's well, white. Yeah, I know. I don't know. You know, I'm gonna be real honest. As someone who did not grow up around a lot of Puerto Ricans, like sometimes Puerto Rican people pass for white. That's true. Yeah, yeah. my people thought my mom was Asian when she was a kid. Like she would go to the Chinese restaurant, and they would give her free spring rolls because she's half. Sometimes half Latino looks uh, half Asian. Yes. Yeah. yeah, they're definitely. I've seen photos of your mom like when she was younger, mm-hmm. and even now, kind of like you guys look so much alike in like an Asian way. Yes, it's kind of. Oh, okay, gotcha. Cool, cool. So, well, you uh, already answered our question, where are you really from? <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> I'm really from New York. Oh, okay. What, but your but your parents is what? My what dad usually... was born in Japan, yeah. and then he lived here from like two or three years before I was born until I was 12. Do you cool. speak Japanese? No. I speak a little bit. Yoko had tried to teach me for a while. <laughs> Yoko was my Japanese tutor in like 7th and 8th grade. Mm-hmm. It wasn't tutoring. Did I don't know what we were doing. Did you we go to J school? No. No, okay, gotcha. And uh, Well, yeah, so my parents got divorced when I was 3. Okay. So from then on, I only saw my dad once oh, every weekend. Okay. And then until I was like 9, and then I started seeing him like every other weekend. Mm-hmm. Maybe earlier than that. But anyway, so then I didn't like interact with the Japanese part of myself on a daily basis. Gotcha. So, did you, did you speak Japanese with your dad? No, or? he speaks English. Oh, okay. But like, I would speak a little bit. So I have two half brothers, and they're both full Japanese because mm-hmm. they're my dad and stepmom's kids, mm-hmm. and um, they mainly speak Japanese. I mean, they only speak Japanese. But when they were growing up, you know, they left the U.S. when they were two and seven. So at that point, like seven-year-old. Japanese kid going to school in America speaks English. Yeah. You know? So the one who's in the middle is five years younger than me spoke English pretty fluently, and so we would speak English to each other. But then as soon as they moved to Japan, they quote unquote forgot Japanese. Mm. Like they just, I mean, okay. forgot English. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. only spoke Japanese. No, that makes sense. I mean, the same can kind of be said for, like, my mom's younger sibling, who was born on an American army base in Japan. My, both my mom and her first youngest sister were born on an American army base in Japan. And my mom is, like, fluent, but her younger sister... It just, like, this is the sort of thing that happens in, like, immigrant families, is I feel like the understanding of language kind of goes down as far as like siblings go you can safely yeah. assume that like the youngest si- sibling speaks the least amount of whatever the language is <laughs> yeah. so i would say yeah, my brother so uh, like my brother yuki speaks english and not like he if you're speaking in english and you're having a normal conversation where you're talking pretty quickly he's understanding all of it mm-hmm. yeah. but he won't cut in with anything in english because right. i think it's because when he first moved back to Japan, they made fun of him for speaking English too well. Mm, so, like, wow. he was in English classes. He was, like, eight. And they would be, like, okay, um, konnichiwa's hello. And he'd be, like, hello. And they'd be, like, wrong. Whoa. Oh. That's such a thing. There's Which is, like, like a... I mean, it's, like, it happens here, too. I'm sure, yeah. like, there are people in Spanish class who are going, like, buenos dias. And they're, like, no, buenos dias. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> God. <laughs> I There's can like totally a, see that happening. A, and authenticity means, like, you're trying too hard or something. Yeah. yeah. God, you know, that's something I struggle with a lot at um, living in the United States is when you're at, like, an ethnic restaurant. like a, And the person taking your order may not be the same ethnic group as the restaurant, but regardless of that, my aunt somehow always manages... Like, it could be, like, a white <laughs> college kid 
giving you fucking churros at Disneyland. And she's like, I'll have two churros. And yeah, I'm just so like, my ew! Grandma does that too. <laughs> my grandma Mom! Yeah, and anything, like any restaurant that's suddenly doing some kind of weird Ethiopian accent at an Ethiopian restaurant. You're oh, like, stop it! <laughs> you don't know what that actually sounds like. Exactly. Just say injera. Exactly. Like in America. Injera. Injera. <laughs> Oh, God. I love a gyro. Like, my assumption of an Ethiopian accent is just how they talk in The Lion King, where they're like, today was the day. You know? Everything like, epic sounding. Yeah, epic sounding, yeah. yeah. Everyone sounds like James Earl Jones. Yeah. <laughs> or Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Oh, Ooh, he's white. Yeah, and right. he played Simba. Yo. Anyway, <laughs> Saji, how would you, uh, after telling us that you didn't really grow up super close to your dad, how do you identify? What do people usually think you are? Oh, those are two those different are, things. Those yeah. are two different things. I mean, I identify as half Japanese. Mm-hmm. And I'll just tell people I'm half Japanese, half Puerto Rican, like, fast, because it's like, it just takes too long to explain. Because if I say I'm half Japanese, quarter Puerto Rican, quarter white, then people are like, what do you mean quarter white? What? And it's like, well, I guess I'm like a mishmash of Midwestern white. Mm-hmm. And some Swedish and some German and I don't really know but like it's easiest just to be like oh I'm half Japanese yeah because that's I feel like most of the time when people are asking you that they're kind of curious just to know what kind of Asian you are yeah yeah and it's just but I do feel like uh, half Japanese, half Puerto Rican is like much more interesting than just half Japanese yeah I have to I have to say of all my friends who are Hapa typically it's half Asian half white and sure, it's, and its mom is Asian, right? Right, exactly. Yeah. It's rarely Asian dad. Yeah. And yeah. definitely even more rare, like, ethnic mom. Like, not yeah. white mom. Yeah. And, um, did you, I mean, how did your dad's family kind of, like, handle that? Because... I, I always felt weird, like, going to Japan and being, like, this, like, kind of taller, bigger, a, not really Asian person. Mm-hmm. Was loud and, like, didn't know how to, like... <laughs> I don't know, behave appropriately. Right. Yeah. I wrote a great college essay about it, you guys. Oh my God. You mean like you're a college admission essay? (laughs) Oh yeah, Harvard ate that shit up. Oh yeah, I thought she went to Harvard. She's very smart. God, I feel like so many awesome comedians went to Harvard and have just used like that Ivy League education. Like so many SNL writers, are, like yeah, Conan yeah. O'Brien went to Harvard. Yeah. Like who else? I don't know. Simon Rich. Right. Uh huh. Did Al Franken go to Harvard? I think so. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there? I know there's like at Harvard there's like the National Lampoon or the Nat- what's Harvard Lampoon. The yeah. Harvard Lampoon. Mm-hmm. The National <laughs> Lampoon is an offshoot. So oh, it's after, an offshoot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's like. Harvard is a huge comedy pedigree, so, like, the Lampoon and the Hasty Pudding are where, like, a ton of comedians came out of, but... They're mostly men. They're all men. Yeah. Yeah. And they're almost all white. I mean, they're not all men. This is, like, the struggle. This was the struggle for me, is, like, I didn't think I was funny when I was at Harvard, because there were, like, people who very much belonged with the funny people, and I didn't feel like that. I didn't think I was funny until, like, two or three years ago. Well, while you were at Harvard, didn't you start your own, like, comedy group yeah, for women? Yeah, so I started my own all-female The name group. is so good. It's called Laughter Birth. Yeah. Yes. Laughter Birth. Alternative titles that we did not call it were Feminist <laughs> Hygiene. Yes. Um, oh, no, Feminine Hijinks. That's what it was. Oh, that's also Feminine so Hijinks. Um, Suffragist. Gestrogen, and then oh my, my favorite was Glory Holsteinum. Oh my <laughs> god! <laughs> I think it was too dirty to be an accredited campus. We were 
parents accredited. It was like literally my sophomore winter and spring. I mean, senior winter and spring. So mm-hmm. I was about to graduate and I was just like, fuck it. I tried to. Wait, can you curse on your podcast? Yeah, yes. yeah totally. Um, so I was like, fuck it. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> fuck this fucking shit. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I had tried out for our improv team. Harvard's, Harvard had two improv teams and I tried out for them as many times as I possibly could. So mm-hmm. I tried out for one of them every semester mm-hmm. for eight semesters. And it was like 12 people, 11 of them were white, 11 of them were men. And so I was oh, just like, wow. I don't, I'm not going to get on. And it, I didn't realize that at the time. At the time, I was just like, I'm not that funny. These people are funnier than me. Hmm. But it look, looking back on it, I'm like, mm-hmm, privilege. <laughs> <laughs> so I started an all-female improv group, just five girls. Four of us now are working professionally in comedy. One is Megan Amram, who's like a writer for Silicon Valley. And, yeah, these um, are like people that people follow. She wrote on Parks and Rec. Mm-hmm. One is Allison Rich, who was one of, like, three cast members on this uh, Fox show, Party Over Here, that's, like, a sketch comedy show produced by The Lonely Island. Oh, nice. One's cool. Alex Petri, who is a comedy columnist for The Washington Post. Yeah. Wow. Like, these are, they're, like, rock stars, and, like, they couldn't get on the improv teams at, at Harvard. It's so that's insane. insane. Ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. Did they Ugh. purposely try to exclude women? No. I don't think it was purposeful at all. I think if more men tried out, I think, you know, it was... It was like a boys club. And the problem, too, was, like, there was this final club called the Fox where, like, all of them were members of. So then they mm. were all friends with each other through that, and then people would come up, and they'd audition who were friends with them through the Fox, and they were like, we know this kid's funny, so we're going to put him in, too. Yeah, it's all just, like, it's, it's like, the most extreme and annoying case of, like, people you know. Yeah. It's just, like, they don't try, they're not trying to be biased, or, like, they're not trying to exclude anybody, but it's just, like, they, they put more trust in the people that are in their circles, their inner circles, and their inner circles. Anal circles. In their, <laughs> anal, in their anal circles, it's all white and male. Well, talk to us about doing professional stand-up. What was it like? Oh, I don't. I wouldn't say I do professional stand-up because they don't pay me money for it. <laughs> That's okay. Talk to us about getting up on stage and being funny in front of people. That yeah. sounds terrifying. Yeah. Oh well, this hard. is this is a good story about being Asian too. Is I did improv for a really long time and. When I did improv with, like, an indie team where we had all chosen each other, we were friends with each other, like, they were very, like, I could play whatever. I could walk into a scene and be playing a white man or a black woman. Mm-hmm. Or, there was no assumptions. But when I was in classes, if I walked into a scene, I was an Asian woman. Whoa. I was immediately. What? And, like, some, like, there would be a scene where, like, a bunch of guys are in a business office and they're all talking to each other. And then I walk in, like, acting like a businessman or, you know, projecting businessmanness. And they go, oh, good, the geisha's here. <gasps> and I was like, I can't do improv anymore. I can't. I can't, like, get typecast in this weird way. Like, I don't like it. Oh, my God. So then oh, I stand up is when half my indie team left for L.A. And I was like, I, I don't feel like I am. I have agency in mm-hmm. my own art anymore. God. What, what are things that you kind of... bring up about yourself that you kind of laugh at because like a lot of comedy is like self-deprecating right do you ever like draw from your own uh, your own culture specifically you obviously draw from like experiences but do any of them have to do with like being Japanese or being half or well when I first started doing stand-up so I didn't think I wanted to do stand-up at all either and like I was working at Caroline's that was my first job at a college Mm -hmm. it's like a famous comedy club in New York and um they said I could take the stand-up comedy class for free. Mm-hmm. So oh, I was like, cool. oh, okay, I'll take the class. Even though I, like, didn't really think I wanted to do it as, like, a serious thing. Mm-hmm. And um, the teacher very much pushed me to talk about, like, being Asian. And I felt like every Asian comic I knew did, like, very 
over-the-top impressions of their hilarious-sounding parents. Yeah, and, like, like, accents and everything. Accents and just being like, yeah, my dad's always like, oh, no, 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 <laughs> like, just awful-sounding things that I'm like, oh I feel like it's minstrelsy. And honestly, like, there are people who do it who I think are amazing. Like, I very much look up to Margaret Cho. I always loved, like, the way that she talked about her family and, like, put Asian heritage into, like, the mainstream comedy world. Mm-hmm. But, like, I just... at there was a certain point when I started doing stand-up and even when I was just taking this class, which was like 2008, 2009, that I was like, this already feels hacky to me. Like, yeah. I don't want to go on stage and do what they expect me to do. Yeah. Jam. Yeah. Wow. That's so true about just like, and I, I think it's not just the expectations that other people have of you, but like, if you are in any, if you are an Asian person or maybe like a person of color in any sort of position where you can like talk to a big group of people, you still feel whether it's because other people expect you to or because you just put it upon yourself, like, you feel like you need to do something to, like, represent, quote, represent yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's, like, the... We... I keep coming back to this because I... This is just, like, an internal problem that I have all the time, just the idea of rep sweats. Just, like, you want to, like, represent yourself. What's it called? Rep, rep sweats. Rep sweats. Mm-hmm. It, it kind of applies to a lot of things. It's, like, when you go somewhere and then you're eating dumplings and then you're, like, oh, man, they're going to call me out for eating dumplings. Yeah, they're, like, I'm the person eating dumplings now. Yeah. Dumplings are fucking good though. They're yeah, delicious. Also, I used to be so mad when I first started working in an office and I would like eat things that were like smelly or different in any way. And I was like, I'm sorry, I'm gonna eat your bland white person sandwich. Seriously. Like, your lunch looks disgusting. <laughs> and <laughs> boring as fuck. And mayonnaise on a piece of white bread and there's no flavor to it. And great, it doesn't smell like anything because that's. It doesn't taste like anything. That's Seriously. Why. Dude, white people are all like, oh, I can't do spice. And, like, it basically means you can't do any flavor. You really can't. White can. people be like, I want to eat water. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it was always, like, really skinny girls, too, who would get, like, their desk salads. And I'd be like, oh, that doesn't look appetizing. That's not going to get me through the rest of this afternoon. Seriously. Yeah. Especially with all these struggles I'm going through right now. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Holy shit. Oh my god. But when I first, I remember one of my first jokes I ever wrote that I did at that Caroline show where I was like just a baby comic was like, uh, I said, oh, I'm not going to do like ridiculous, stereotypical impressions of my parents because it would bring great shame to my ancestors. (laughs) (laughs) I think I remember that. But like, I don't say that anymore on stage. I don't really talk that much about being Asian on stage unless it's about hypocrisy and people being racist towards me like Mm -hmm. I don't talk about like my family stuff as much as I talk about like people saying weird racist shit to me Mm -hmm. yeah family stuff is like really kind of immediate and easy maybe it's like a I don't know if there are like levels of comedy but they're like maybe it's like a when you're starting when you're starting out you're like talking about things that are really close to you and maybe that's why family like comes up like early on and also like my family is complicated like I have four parents now I come from like a mixed background like if I have to explain all that stuff up top it takes away from the jokes for me to be like I'm half Japanese my dad lives in Japan now he lived here until I was 12 okay now we can get to the joke yeah, like if you I... walk on stage and you're like I'm Korean and my parents are Korean people are like have an instant understanding of like, yeah okay great now we can talk about you know something funny but I feel like there's just too many hoops to jump through for people to understand my identity mm-hmm. up top that it's yeah. easier for me to just be like so I look Asian you know and like that's a grasping point that people can yeah so as a person who is of mixed heritage it you we understand that you have a, a specific um 
perspective on being half Asian, but like, do you have what are what are your perspectives on being just like mixed in general? Um, so yeah. the, okay, so the. The thing about being like a quarter Puerto Rican is that like I grew up with like certain elements of my life involving Puerto Rican culture. Like we, for Christmas every year, we would go over to my Titi Abby's house and we would like eat pernil and chicharrones and stuff. And like, forgive my accent if you're actually Hispanic and listening to this because I'm not very good at it. But like those things to me were just like part of my growing up. But I don't look Hispanic and I don't think my mom looks that Hispanic either. So like it's like this thing where you're like a secret other minority. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. And also, like, both Sachi and I went to high school with another friend of ours named Rachel, who's a quarter black, and she doesn't really look that black I never would have guessed that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But, like, it's still part of her heritage. Mm -hmm. And so it's, like, it's weird to, like, want to claim that as your identity and to, like, want to identify with other Latino people, but to not really be going through the same struggles that they're going through because they immediately look Hispanic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And also, like, growing up in New York, it felt, and I went to, like, we went to a diverse high school. Like, it yeah. didn't feel like race was, like, a huge part of my identity until I got to college and I started interacting with people who had, like, never interacted with non-white people. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I knew that race started to have some sort of relevance for me in my life when I went to middle school. Because in elementary school, I felt like we all played together. And yeah. then for whatever reason, something happened in middle school where... You just become so aware of hanging out with people that look just like you. And yeah. suddenly my friend group became predominantly Asian. And yeah. Specifically, like, all of my friends who were black, like, only hung out with black people. Sure, our high school was like on. that yeah. to some extent, too. And, and it like, was self-segregation. It wasn't like right. someone was saying, oh, you guys have to hang out with these people. You guys have to hang out with these people. No, but you wanted to hang out with the people who wanted to, like, go do karaoke and <laughs> go to Opane and Morning Glory and get little stickers. Go, go. What is Opane? Babu. Opane was like a Korean stationery store oh, on, yeah. in K-Town. Yeah. And, um, you know, and we would all have the, like, the little binders and each, you could trade pieces of paper and stuff. Oh my God. Yeah. With like the little, it's like the tiny six ring tiny binder. Tiny stickers. And you write like your, you write like a little profile page and you like pass it around. With your jelly, jelly roll pens and your milkies. Yes. Oh my God. Milky pens. Um, but, so I went to a very small private elementary school where my mom taught and mm -hmm. I was one of maybe three or four non-white people in my class. So I always thought of myself as Asian when I was in school, in elementary school until sixth grade. Then when I got to Hunter, I was like, I'm Asian. And people were like, no, you're not. Because there were so many Asian people there. Yeah. And like, I would go to ACS and like, there was like a distinct Korean clique. There was like a Chinese clique. They were like, and I like, I really wanted to identify with like the Asian part of me. And I still had like mostly Asian friends, mm -hmm. but like they didn't see me the same way. Yeah. How does your uh, Puerto Rican side of the family see you? Well... My Puerto Rican side of the family is, like, my mom's dad who passed away. So I don't, there's not a lot of, like, people that are just Puerto Rican that we're still close with, you mm -hmm. know? Like, we used to go to Titi Abby's house, but I, I haven't, like, she passed away as well. And so that whole side of the family I haven't seen in a long time. Mm -hmm. They used to always want us to, like, go to Puerto Rico and meet family members that we never met, my mom and I. And, and my mom was like, I don't, my mom's very much like, I don't want to, interact with family members that like just because we're family if I've never met you I don't know how we're like I don't feel an obligation to be close yeah. to you no totally yeah did your mom um so after your parents separated you saw your dad on a every semi, weekend yeah a semi-regular basis but when your dad eventually moved to Japan yeah. did your did your mom feel some sort of 
not an obligation, but like, did she think that it might be important for you to like stay in touch with the Japanese side of yourself, or like, did you have any opinions on? Yeah, I think that's why I, she, she hired, hired you to teach Japanese. Japanese. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> um, oh my god, I would. I don't know if I did a really good job at that. I mean, I always loved Japanese culture. My mom always loved Japanese culture. Like, my mom met my dad while she was at Harvard studying Japanese. Like, my mom's parents are Buddhist. That's how they met. Um, and like, so they were at, you know, Sokagakai International and met there. And, um, so she, like, we both had this love of Japanese culture that transcended my relationship with my dad or her relationship with my dad. Like we went to Yaohan all the time. They had Yaohan here too. Yeah. Yeah, In New Jersey. Now Now it's Mitsuwa. Right. Yeah. Oh my God. And like my mom would always make me like, we had one of those like, um, What's it called? Zoji, the rice cooker? Zoji Rishi. Yeah. Zoji Rishi, yeah. So we had one of those, and, like, so my mom would pack me, like, a little lunch to take to Hunter every day that had, like, the rice with the seaweed on top and, like, oh little... Oh, my God, yes. And we would, like... I remember giving um, Katie those little pieces of seaweed. Like, we would go to... Do you remember going to Central Park for lunch in seventh grade? Sometimes. Kate... We have a we have a classmate, Katie, that we're still friends with. She was, like, really into our bentos. I always yeah. remember giving her, like, my tamago. Yeah. <laughs> so funny. Yeah, so my mom tried, like, she would always make me stuff like that. She always made me, like, onigiri and, like, um, I don't know. I think that she she wanted me to, like, I think we both liked it. And then yeah. also she wanted me to, like, be close with that side of things. And then I went to Japan every summer once my dad moved there. So I would go there for, like, three or four weeks. And just hang out. And Where in Japan out. was that? In Toyohashi. And Yoko came and visited me. Yeah. And um, we would go to the mall and... Yeah. Wow, that was a really long time ago. Yeah. God, that's over. That was a really long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Oh, my God. I love you, Sachi. Japanese Great. jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's fantastic. I, I think that's really interesting that your mom, like respected your upbringing so much that she brought that side in i'm curious like what are the things from like puerto rican culture that she also like instilled in you or like it, of her own background yeah because she, she grew was. up half puerto rican yeah There's, right right, right her. exactly yeah. yeah i don't know well she also like her dad was did not want them to speak spanish like didn't oh, want them to learn spanish really? was very much like no you're americans now we're gonna speak english in this house and you're gonna speak english with your classmates and I don't want you to only hang out with Puerto Rican kids. And, like, so he was a little bit, like, not really good at incorporating. Yeah. That's such a thing that happens with immigrant um, parents. Yeah. It's kind of sad. It is. Um, I mean, it's reflective of, like, the sort of attitude that people have about immigrants in general. And, like, that is the sad part. It's not, like... If you're if you're trying to like Americanize, that's like a survival thing, right? Um, but like the the weird, I think it's partly because of being in New York. It's like my mom and I both were just New Yorkers first yeah. before anything else, and yeah. like we both looked like vaguely ethnically ambiguous, and our family was mostly my mom and me. Like that yeah. was the core, gotcha. yeah. and everything outside of that was like other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But like the family itself, when I say like my family, I mean my mom and me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sachi's mom is super cool, by the way. She's super cool. Yeah. Oh, that's She's awesome. She rapped at my birthday party. What? She's a, yeah. And she, like, won a freestyle battle, rap <gasps> battle once. It was... Yeah, at a Broad City party. What? So, so cool. Yeah. That's fucking awesome. Dude. Allison. Yeah. You're great. She's great. <laughs> so, we have a we have a segment called How Asian Are You? Mm-hmm. 
this this question I know you have some answers to, so I'm really excited to ask you this. What are some cautionary tales that your parents told you as a kid that you now realize are completely false? Oh, so I talk about this on stage about that, like, my dad told me to be careful riding. Well, he was really worried about me living in New York by myself. And he was like, don't have long hair in New York. What? And I was like, why? And he was like, because a subway door could close on your hair and drag you to your death. What? Dude, my dad told me the same thing. It's always but long listen hair. listen to him. You have short hair. <laughs> I know, but I hate him. Dad. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know where that came from. I don't know if he saw that for real. It's like the last thing I'm afraid of in New York. Like, there's so many more things. They're scary. But, yeah, seriously. Scary don't things. have long hair because it'll get caught in the subway doors. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah. What did, did your parents tell you anything, Kate? I have so many that it's just like... Okay. Yeah, some of the things that Kate's parents told her, I'm just like, that's... That's just a fucking bold-faced lie. One in three people is a kidnapper. <laughs> <laughs> he said one in three people is schizophrenic or crazy. He was always saying one in three people. So he was like, people are kidnappers. Oh, one time he told me, um, don't sing at the dinner table. Only homeless people sing at the yes! dinner table. Yes. Oh, my God. What? And I was okay. like, homeless people don't have dinner tables. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, what? Okay, well. I've never heard that. My grandma says, like, don't do, don't shake your leg. She calls it bimboashi. Like, yeah. poor people's leg. Yeah. Poor people's leg. Yeah. <laughs> it's like literally like. Poor man's leg or something like yeah. that. Only poor people do that. I was yeah. just like, what the hell, grandma? Yeah, my gra- I, I've heard of that too. You have? Yeah, yeah, Oh yeah. my God. Well, my grandma also told me that if you play with matches, you'll wet the bed. Mm-hmm. Have you heard that before? Mm-hmm. Like, I just think that is completely ridiculous. But yeah. I was also very fascinated with fire and she just wanted me to stop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was fascinated with crying and my dad wanted me to stop because he was always like, Japanese people don't cry. Which is actually maybe kind of true. If they do cry, it's like one tear. Yes, just one. And there's music playing in the background. Or anime where their whole face goes, (laughs) (laughs) and they just out of them. Waterfalls. Waterfalls of tears. My dad would be like, in Japan, we have very thin walls, so you can't cry like that. And I was like, that's why you don't cry? So That's what he said because the neighbors will hear you. Yeah. Oh, Because your walls are made of paper. And I was like, well, maybe you shouldn't have forced me to fly 13 hours away when I'm 11 years old <laughs> and spend time with this family I barely know. Oh, oh my Jesus. Gosh. Another thing that my parents told me was that when you cut cucumbers or zucchini... This is the most bullshit thing I've ever heard. You take the first slice, and it's like, you know, the nubbin at the very end, and you rub it against the rest of the cucumber or the zucchini so it doesn't become bitter. Weird. That's fucking crazy. I, I still remember things are my other Asian friends in high school told me, too, that, like, Unji said... If you laugh and cry at the same time, you'll grow hair on your butt. What? <laughs> Which is was bad for me because I'm like literally always laughing, laughing and crying, <laughs> like just nonstop. And is your butt hairy? Yeah, very, very. And you were Puerto Rican side of me. Oh my god! <laughs> Japanese people are hairy too. Yeah, I think really? Japanese people yeah. are like the hairiest Asians, yeah. dog. Like I have like of all the East Asians, East Asians, Asians. yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Really a hairy bunch. Yeah, dog. I, I feel have like so much I, hair. my brothers have no like leg hair. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's just Japanese women because my leg hair is just. Oh, I could not shave like. a lot for a long time, and then it's like you could see like I haven't shaved, and there's like little hairs, but it really doesn't look like I have any hair. In my Dude, life. I got five I'm o'clock shadow, shadow like a man. Really? Like, within yeah, the same, same day, it's already fucking prickly. It's yeah. so awful. Yeah, same. I hate it. Wow. Um. Oh, another thing that my parents told me, and this is like, I wasn't sure if this was a thing that my parents just told me. 
But I but I, I think other Japanese people at least have experienced this. Like if you eat food and then you immediately lie down, you turn into a cow. Like literally heard, a no. cow? I don't know. I don't know. Clearly not literally, <laughs> oh right? But like there's my mom would always say, like, don't lie down after eating. You'll turn into a cow. And I'd be like, mom, God. And then in Japanese, when you're, like, exasperated with someone, you're like, mom. Like, yeah. and then that's also the sound a cow makes. And my mom oh. would be like, see, you're turning into a cow right now. I'm like, ah, you trapped me. Oh, God. <laughs> Except I didn't oh. say fuck. That's okay. My parents. <laughs> yeah. Dang. Yeah. But now I can't lie down after eating. I, like, feel physically ill. Really? And I don't know if that's, like, my body just conditions to believe that I can't lie down anymore. Yoko, I have lied down after eating my after most yesterday. meals. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> does it all the time. So clearly. It's very nice. If you're very full, it's it's lovely to just take a little nap. I, I, go I feel like I'm going to gonna explode if I do it. Oh, man, dude. Up you're the front. Page. <laughs> <up the> front. <laughs> our parents, our parents, they, their stories get into you, man. I'm Just gonna, I'm gonna convince you. It's tell real. my kids some bullshit lies. Well, I guarantee you, my grandma with the matches thing—that's just a lie. Like, I think she was just like, okay, what can I say to her that's sure. kind of mystical that'll like make her stop? Yeah, it's a good parenting technique. Yeah, yeah. you don't want to wet the bed, right? You better stop lighting those matches. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, maybe we'll all tell our kids that. No, yeah. other ones that like are pretty common that other people that aren't just within my family I've heard are like, oh, if you don't finish all your rice, yes. then you'll get e- either like every grain of rice that's left in the bowl will be a pockmark on your face or it'll be a pockmark on your lover's face. Or it's like another year that you don't get married because that's important. <laughs> what? Oh, God. So funny. Finish that rice, kids. Finish that rice, kid, if you want to get married and be a good wife. Bunch of bad shit's going to happen. Uh, my dad did tell my mom when I was like five that if Sachi doesn't learn how to clean up after herself, no one will ever marry her. And he was wrong. <laughs> I never clean up and I got a husband. Oh, hey, yeah. shout out to Jake. Um, cool. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Do you save hot sauce or soy sauce packets? Yeah, both. Well, no, I don't like the hot sauce that comes with, like, Chinese food. I like mm-hmm. sriracha, so yeah. there's no sriracha packets, right? No. no. There should be. But why do you save them? Because you, sometimes I need... Oh, yeah. Do you use them, though? I save them at work. I save soy oh. sauce at work because sometimes then other things don't come with it, and then I have them. Gotcha. Oh, that's smart. I have, like, a container of mustard and, like, ran, like mostly soy sauce and mustard, and then there's, like, duck sauce... But I never, I never use, use the duck sauce. Duck sauce is gross. Yeah. I wouldn't even use duck sauce on duck. Like, hoisin <laughs> sauce goes with duck. Yeah. Duck what sauce is, duck is for sauce? nothing. It's like just a sweet, gelatinous orange goo. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it's pretty tasty. No, it's not. It's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's, I think it, that kind of sauce is good on spring rolls. Like, some spring rolls come with, like, a, mm, that like kind a, of sweet sauce. Like a fishy yeah. sort of situation. Dude, yeah. my family saves fucking hot sauce and soy sauce packets for days. Wait, like, what kind years. of hot sauce? Like, just, well, here's the thing. When is you that order they never Chinese food, it comes with hot sauce. Yeah, it's like, what? Re- yeah, it always comes with, like, some kind of sauce. Like, if you go to Vanessa's Dumplings and they have, like, the little hot sauce packets they put in there with it. Yeah, with the dragon on it. Oh, shit. Or a panda. Oh, no, that's a panda's hot. I always thought sauce. that was duck sauce. Oh, yeah. Like, no, a really red duck sauce. Is- and sometimes there's sweet and sour sauce, but regardless of the sauce, 
my family fucking saves it and they never fucking use them. I'm so guilty of not using them. Yeah, and it could be like ketchup from McDonald's. Like one time, um, so my mom is a hoarder when it comes to the refrigerator. She refuses to clean, or like she refuses to let us throw things away. And we found this Ziploc bag full of fucking ketchup packets from McDonald's from 1996. And I was like, mom, you need to get rid of these. You never use them. She's like, okay, fine. Do they expire? I think so. It doesn't say it on there, though, right? Yeah, but it's just like, you, you can tell when it's like the old McDonald's logo and it doesn't say I'm loving it on it. I'm like, God, what is this from? <laughs> oh, my God. But she refuses to use them. And I just, it's so weird because I think like my family orders takeout so infrequently, right? That they're just like, oh, yeah, you know, if you want to like pack it for lunch or something. I'm 27 years old. I haven't like lived at home in like God knows how long, but you're still saving these fucking sauce Oh, my sauce dad would save everything. My dad would get extras of things and then bring them home, like sugar packets at the coffee shop and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Straws, napkins. It's weird that, like, hoarding is such an Asian thing when, like, Japanese people have such tiny apartments. Yeah. That, like, shouldn't you be, like, Marie Kondo and, like, get rid of everything? Yeah. They, no, Japanese people hoard. Do you think it's an immigrant thing or is it true of Japanese people in Japan? I don't know. I kind of, like... Japanese people fascinate me because if I go to like my family's house in like back country Hiroshima, their house is clean, but it is definitely not free of clutter. Like Mm -hmm. a lot of Japanese houses just have a lot of stuff and it's like a specific kind of stuff and it's all organized very like orderly, but it's just stuff and they save it. And then my grandma's house, dear God, like, I think this is like a product of like post-World War II, but she has everything and she refuses to throw it away. It could be napkins. You know what she saves a lot is those fucking tins. Yes! Tins of cookies. Like the tins that those cookies come in. My grandma would give us, it's my stepmom's mom, who I think of as my obachum, but she gave, anytime she was on a plane, she would save anything you could get on the plane. So she would take like the little, um, the creamer. Yeah, or like, you know, they would have like, you could get a toothbrush or you could get like, oh. um, you know, slippery things and she would br- give those to us as presents. Like the packaged bread, the oh. bread that comes in like the little plastic bag with your, with your, uh, yeah, your yeah. Meal. Or like oh, tiny yeah. jam, mm-hmm. tiny ketchup, like, mm-hmm. yeah. She was always like, here, this is special. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you got that free on the airplane. Well, I mean, you best believe that, like, every time I stay in a hotel room, I fucking clear out all that Oh, shampoo. she brings that stuff, <laughs> too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She brings that stuff, too. Oh, shit. Okay, so that concludes our interview. Yes. Sachi, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for having me. It's great to hear from you. Um, where can people find you on the internet? Um, my online persona is Mistrionics, M-I-S-S-T-R-I-O-N-I-C-S. It's like Histrionics, but with Miss. It's great, yeah, girl. And it's Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram. Yeah. Um, also, we didn't talk about this too much, but can you tell us, don't you also have a podcast? I have you? a podcast. I have to go tape it now. It's called Junk Food. It's about guilty pleasures. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> we eat junk food. We eat gross things. And then we talk about people's guilty pleasures. Junkfoodpod.tumblr.com. Cool. Nice. And then come see me do stand up. Yeah. If you live in New York City. Yeah. How do you do you have a regular gig right now? No. But when, I ex- Where will we find where could we find more about that? Oh, I usually put all my shows on my Tumblr, mysterionics.tumblr.com. Awesome. Sweet. Nice. Thanks, Ajay. So no problem. Thank you guys. Yay. 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 Bye. 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 Yoko, where can we find your work on the internet? Oh, hey. Um, you can find me at P-S-Y-O-K-O on Twitter and Instagram. 
Kate, where can we find you on the internet? I am at C-M-Y-K-A-Y-T-O-E at C-M-Y-K-A-Y-T-O. Love your radio voice. Thank you. Wow. And if you want to follow the podcast, the podcast, not the- <laughs> <You> want- <laughs> If you want to follow the podcast. Podcast. Oh my gosh. It's at S-W-A-Y-F podcast. Swave podcast. On Twitter and Instagram. Yes. And our website is swavepodcast.com. Show notes, visual references, that Firefly Man video. Oh my god. It's gonna be lit. Count. Oh my god, Kate, get the fuck out. Listen to a comic and you gain and glean some (laughs) some little gems. All right. We out. We out. Bye. Bye.